Welcome to Let It Be Easy with Susie Moore. is a psychotherapist and relationship expert. She's host of the podcast, The Terry Cobb Show, and author of Boundary Boss. Boundary Boss will show you how to authentically express your preferences, needs, and limits so that you can live the happy, healthy life that you deserve. I can't wait for you to hear what we dive into. Terry Cole, Boundary Boss, the book of the summer. Can I just say that I'm wearing my boss blazer for you today? <laughs> Why, Do thank you. Like- you. Do you like it? (laughs) Boundary Boss, what a book. I mean, I have a lot of questions since reading your book, and I just want to dive straight in with you. We're just going to go straight for it. And the first thing I love, you know, Terry, how you kick off the book is explaining boundaries in a way I've never heard it before. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've you know, I love boundaries. I'm obsessed with getting better at them. I think we can always get a bit better no matter what. Mm-hmm. Um, but you say it in a way that's just so clear and fantastic. You say, often unhealthy boundaries are rooted in a confusion about what's actually your responsibility. <laughs> For example, we may think that someone else's distress or conflict is ours to fix when in fact, their emotional experience and problems are definitely theirs to deal with. That's their side of the street. This book is all about your side mm-hmm. of the street. Could you speak to that a little bit, Terry, as we open up here? The unhealthy boundaries can just be really you know, surrounding some confusion about what's what's appropriate and okay for us. Yes, I think that let's start with how I define them because I yes. feel like that's that's easier because it can be so overwhelming. It is so confusing. We feel like, oh, there's so many things and I just have to get good at boundaries. But what does that even mean? Mm. So the way that I look at it is that you becoming a boundary boss means that you know your preferences, your desires, your limits, and your deal breakers. Mm. And you have the ability to communicate them clearly and concisely when you so choose. A simple, I mean, this, it, it's simple. And sometimes the, the most important things are simple, but we overcomplicate them, don't we? Because we, we don't want to do them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. We don't want to do them. We're scared to do them. We want to be nice. We want to be liked. I know this yep. is particularly true for women. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, in your book, you're so open about your own experiences with boundaries. You speak about becoming sober in your early 20s. Mm-hmm. You speak about how a lack of boundaries contributed to a health diagnosis mm-hmm. that you had also earlier in life. How has your personal experience, plus your years and years with the, you know, working as a therapist with the work that you do, how has your personal experience really shaped this book and the way that you teach boundaries? I mean, listen, it, it's, it's what everyone says, you teach what you most need to learn. Mm-hmm. So I teach about boundaries because learning them was revolutionary in my life, in lessening my suffering, mm-hmm. my constriction, my conflict, my confusion, my over-functioning, over-giving, overdoing, auto-advice giving, I could keep going, mm-hmm. um, because I thought that was being loving. Mm-hmm. And I think that so much of the time, why, why I feel uniquely um, skilled to teach this is that it isn't just my journey. It's my journey in the 25 years in the trenches with my therapy clients, where I went from you know, being a talent agent 
negotiating contracts for supermodels, for celebrities. Now, clearly that's not, you know, entertainment, no offense, but not exactly a hotbed of mental health. And Mm -hmm. the most blurred boundaries, because it's a business where you become friends. We were all young. It was the same age. It was like, oh my God, definitely not going to learn this here. But I was in therapy that whole time. Then I kind of got too healthy to stay in entertainment. And I was like, God, there's got to be something better I could be doing with my life for me, something more satisfying. Mm -hmm. When I opened my practice, I had already done a lot of work on my own boundaries and was starting to really really understand the impact. And then I started seeing clients and I was like, oh my God, this is a complete epidemic. Mm-hmm. That every person who walked through my door, many of them women, high-functioning women, very similar to my personality, my life experience, super ambitious, incredibly capable, no matter what their presenting problem was, whether it was a crappy marriage or their family of origin was torturing them or they had an eating disorder, I could connect the dots backwards to it being connected to the lack of knowledge about how to set boundaries. Mm-hmm. and enforce them. And, you know, the subtitle of the book is the essential guide, right? To talk true, be seen, and finally live free. And that's part of the problem is that most of us were raised and praised for being self-abandoning codependents as women. If you were raised as a woman, it was being con- nice, having people perceive you as nice was literally, at least how I was raised, the highest virtue, you just wanted people to think you were nice. So in a way that distorted our relationship to the truth, because it was more acceptable to say yes, when I wanted to say no, Mm -hmm. under the umbrella of being nice. We don't want to be rude. We don't want to be rejecting. And yet what we learned was all of this corrupted data about our rights. I mean, one of the first things I do in the book is I created your boundary boss bill of rights because nobody has any idea. <laughs> Can I read these? I'm Please. To, these are fantastic. And there's one in particular that's my favorite. Great. I'm not sure if you have a favorite one, Terry, but I love them all. Simple and fantastic. <laughs> you have the right to say no or yes to others without feeling guilty. You have the right to make mistakes, to course correct, or to change your mind. Gosh, Major. we never feel that way. Um, you have the right to negotiate for your preferences, desires, and needs. You have the right to express and honor all of your feelings if you choose. You have the right to voice your opinion even if others disagree. Oof. Uh, You have the right to be treated with respect, consideration, and care. This is my favorite one. You have the right to determine who has the privilege of being in your life. Mm. That one's highlighted right there. (laughs) You have the right to communicate your boundaries, limits, and deal breakers. You have the right to prioritize your self-care without feeling selfish. You have the right to, as you just said, talk true, be seen, live free. Terry, how does it work when it comes to internal boundaries, like with the self, setting them for yourself, Mm -hmm. trust with yourself, um, and boundaries with others? Does there have to be a particular order? Does the self have to come first? Does does the outside tend to take priority? Well, we we want to focus on the outside. You know, it, it's very tempting to be like, Betty, that boundary bully in my office, I can't wait. People start learning about boundaries and they're dying to grab the megaphone and be like, everybody, we need to talk. There's a new <laughs> right. And this is so funny. It's so funny. I, you're like, you want to go up and tell Bob and accounting it's weird comments aren't appropriate. <laughs> this book is so funny too. <laughs> well, I feel like we have to laugh. You know, it's like, yeah. this is life. We're doing the thing. 
that we got to do, but we've got to find the humor. And because we all have such a similar experience, listen, this isn't me assuming this, this is me knowing it because I've also been teaching this Mm -hmm. as a course. So I beta tested all of this as Mm -hmm. a course for five years. Mm -hmm. So every single year I changed it. So by the time I was ready to write this book, I was like, this is what is essential. No other crap, even if the story is great and hysterical, even if I think this is a really good idea for something, it you really, I really just got it down to what do you need? What are the step-by-step process? What is it that the reader can take? If they only have this book, they have no other thing. They have no access to me. They're not taking a course. Mm-hmm. Can you become a boundary boss? And keep in mind, when I say boundary boss, the name of the, the book is not boundary bully right? Mm -hmm. It's boundary boss, because when you're an actual boss, like your jacket, Mm -hmm. you're masterful. Mm -hmm. You can do this shit with ease and grace, with kindness and when appropriate love. You don't need to use a sledgehammer when a little pencil eraser will do. It's you, you learn these things where it's so easy to walk around offended Mm. when you don't have the skills to speak up to prioritize your preference, to assert your needs, your desires, to share the way you feel. We get so f- externally focused. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, Betty's got some friggin' nerve, right? It, it's all about, I can't believe they're asking me. Oh my God, do you know Kate Northrup? Yes, I yeah. do. Yeah, we're going to the beach together tomorrow. Of course you are, because <laughs> hi, she's down there now. <laughs> That's right. So we were, we were doing a lot of her, her community a while ago. And she told the story I totally forgot. So like 15 years ago, we were in the city together walking and she was complaining about this person who was asking her to do this thing. And she's so mad. She's so pissed. She's done so much for this person already. She just doesn't understand it. La, la, la. I let her 15 blocks, apparently. I let her go, 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 go. And then we get there and I was like, yeah, Kate, she's got some nerve putting you in the position to have to actually say no. And she was like, oh my God, Terry, you're right. I could just say, and I was like, you could. She's like, I'm going to. I was like, all right. But it's almost like the thought, because we're so, uh, many of us, conflict averse, we don't mm. want to reject people. We don't want people to think we're a bitch. We, all the things, mm. it's like we're focusing on, well, if Betty just hadn't asked, I wouldn't be put in this position. And we feel so not masterful mm. in that position that it makes us so mad. What ends up happening as you do what I teach you to do in this book, one small step at a time, because this is actually how transformation happens. You may have a massive epiphany. People do. I have. You know what life is made up of, though? The day-to-day, the every moment, the mundane crap that makes you crazy. That is our day-to-day lives with peak experiences in between. Amazing. But so, so think of the changes that you will make in established relationships, because this is challenging and different mm-hmm. than starting a relationship where you can get better at boundaries and then be proactive. When we've been doing a boundary dance that's established for a decade or two or 10, <laughs> five, whatever, mm-hmm. that's a different approach. But imagine that you can do this. And I am getting back to the internal boundaries question. Don't you worry. Uh-huh. <laughs> I have not forgotten. This is just the longest way around the bar. I love it. I love this. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so step by step, that is the process, right? Mm-hmm. Little changes. 
Because when we change our boundary dance, which is like the relationship dance, people are going to friggin' notice. People are going to feel threatened. People who love you don't want you to change mm. because unconsciously they're afraid if you change, maybe you will no longer want them. You may not love them anymore. Maybe you're now not in the same kind of little pack. You know, it, it's fear as humans. We have an innate fear of change and some people have more than others. Mm -hmm. But when you really think about it, same thing with success, right? With, with what you deal with, like, mm -hmm. I always say that success and failure are two sides of the same coin, right? Fear of success and fear of failure. And that coin is fear of change. What mm -hmm. if I become so successful and out earn my person? Are they still gonna love me? Is this gonna change the relationship? What if I fail? Am I gonna be rejected? So again, change is the thing we're afraid of. So we're gonna be coming up against this as we change our boundary dances and how we prioritize our preferences and how we talk true, people will definitely notice. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to internal boundaries. Mm -hmm. These are things that it's most helpful if we get clear. And so the way that I do it in the book and the way that I walk you through the process and we can think about it now mm -hmm. is, you know, listen, if you are here watching this right now, mm -hmm. you know, if you are a boundary disaster, a boundary semi-disaster, a people pleaser, if you're a chameleon, if you're a peacekeeper, mm -hmm. you know this about yourself. Now I created a quiz. It's free. You just go to boundaryquiz.com and there's 13 questions. That's it. You know, you would think a quiz would be easy to make, dude. It took me like, <laughs> I swear to God, like a good quiz. It took like a year to be like, but is that psychologically accurate? Anyway, it is accurate. It, it will give you your sort of archetype, which is your baseline of where you are. Do you tend to withdraw? Are you more of a loner? If you need to have a hard conversation, do you avoid it? Do you, do you sort of run away into your tower or are you overly aggressive or do you avoid it by being the peacekeeper, by worrying about everyone else? By So there's, there's different ways that disordered boundaries express themselves. Mm -hmm. So knowing yourself is really important. But before we get into the internal boundaries, we get into your boundary blueprint. Mm. So this is in your unconscious mind. It's like a paradigm of how you relate to boundaries. It's what you learn from your family of origin, country, culture, all of the things, and then your life experiences, right? Your childhood experiences. All of those things converge and become this unconscious. It's like a schema, right? You know, in our mm -hmm. mind, we have- I know schemas, yeah. Because mm -hmm. you just can't, there's too much information. So we sort of have them already made. Yes. So what I'm teaching you to do and walking you through, I give you questions in the book. So you don't need a workbook. You don't need anything else. Yes. In every single chapter, I teach something and then I then I have a thing called back to you. Yep. And immediately the reader is like, okay, so how does this apply to me? Because no offense, you know, people are like, literally what's in it for me? <laughs> I read a book, I want something to change. Mm -hmm. So you learn about, perhaps you had a maternal impactor who was a people pleaser. Mm -hmm. And so unconsciously and consciously, this becomes desirable. Oh, this is the way a woman acts. This is what loving someone is. We do what they want us to do. That's loving. No, that's disordered boundaries. And we can change those things, but we can only change them once we reveal them. Mm -hmm. So before we get into wanting to change things, we really have to look and go, okay, what is right now? Like, what is my level of boundary acumen, 
you know, I want you to look at it like it's a language, Mm -hmm. you know, and you wouldn't make yourself wrong because my clients would be so hard on themselves and women in my courses, like, how could I be running a zillion dollar company, but I can't figure this out in my romantic life? Why can't I say no to my girlfriend or my boyfriend? Like, what's wrong with me? I'm weak. I'm this. I'm like, no, you're not. Literally, how can you know what not only did no one teach you, but which we got corrupted intelligence about? We got bad intel mm-hmm. on boundaries and the value and what it is, because there's not one person I've met in all the years I've been doing this, that they were like, my my parents really taught me how to be a boundary boss, or <laughs> I learned it in college, or I learned, I didn't even learn it in grad school when I went to become a therapist. Like mm-hmm. nobody teaches it. So mm-hmm. look at, I'm still getting back to your internal boundary question. I love it. No, I love it. It's a big question. It is a big question. <laughs> mm-hmm. So once you have some clarity, we are like, okay, I understand this. This is familiar to me. I, I get what I learned. And you, you'll continue to be learning that as you go. Mm-hmm. Then I want you to do a full inventory mm-hmm. of what is okay with you right now in your life and what is not in all areas of your life. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we don't do that. We're putting out fires, right? And we know what our preferences are, but we don't, we don't really know. Mm-hmm. Like look, you'll look at your business or your corporate job or your retail job or whatever it is you're doing for a living mm-hmm. and be like, What are the things that really bother me, that don't work for me, that I don't like? Oh, there's someone in your office, Bob in accounting, who's (laughs) FaceTiming you on the weekend for something that's not urgent. Mm -hmm. Okay, put that on the list of things that are not okay. Mm. Look at the way that your home office, if you're working from home, because most of us are, are set up. Do you like your lighting? Do you like where things are situated? Because your preferences matter. Mm. If you don't, if you got some overhead light that you hate, put that on the list. I'm going to change that friggin' bulb or I'm going to turn it off. Or I'm going to use something else. I'm going to get a better lamp because there's a million small changes mm-hmm. that we can make that are, that elevate the way that we feel and how considered we are in our own lives by ourselves. And you have to remember that your relationship with you sets the boundary, right? It sets the, the bar for every other relationship in your life. Mm-hmm. So if you're last on your own list, if you talk badly about yourself, if you have a low opinion and you don't hold yourself in high esteem, you will inevitably attract others who are like, oh, you're gonna do all the heavy lifting? Yay, fantastic. Oh, you don't need to rest so you could do the thing I want you to do? Great. People will expect you to do that. So a lot of times I feel like in relationships, we're seeking for others to sort of save us. Mm. But, you know, as Rumi said, or somebody, we are the ones we've been waiting for, right? Yes. So the internal boundaries set the tone really for everything. Once we have our kind of clarity and kind of knowing that, you know, this is okay. This is actually not okay. Do you, mm-hmm. do you believe that it's actually um, something that we need to say in a lot of cases, or is it something that just kind of happens once our boundaries become uh, more firm and we become more confident? Is it almost just some like a bit of magic happens? Cause I've noticed this. In fact, um, a friend of mine uh, wanted something recently and it was just a bad week for me and um he connected with another friend and she reported back to me that he said wow Susie's got really good boundaries and I took that as a huge compliment thought he did 
And then I thought to myself, but I don't really feel like I've ma- I'm not a master yet. I mean, mm-hmm. is there always a new level? Like, mm-hmm. is even when you like Terry, is there still a new level for you with boundaries? Do you okay. like do you, are you still struggling with this too? Of course, of course. And I wouldn't say struggling. I would say mm-hmm. that it's a practice. Yes. The same way that I meditate every day. The same way that I work out probably five six days a week. Mm-hmm. Discipline, mm-hmm. where there are some things that once you realize them you'll never go back. Like there are some big epiphanies that you'll have where you're like, wow, why was I tolerating that behavior? Or why was I doing that? Because what I find, Susan, and this is across the board with women in my courses and in my practice, is that there is so much codependency Mm. that is connected to the way that we learned to love, right? What do I say? We were raised in praise for being self-abandoning, codependence. It's a fact Mm -hmm. that there's confusion Mm -hmm. about what is on my side of the street, as you said, Mm -hmm. what is on that other person's, what is my responsibility? Mm -hmm. And it's so easy. Why why we have categories when it comes to boundaries, which are mental, Mm -hmm. emotional, physical, material, sexual, Mm -hmm. is because we need to have boundaries in all of those areas. Mm -hmm. And if you are over-functioning in your relationships, if you have a friend, let's say, who has a problem Mm -hmm. and you're immediately into fix-it mode, and if you're unsure, if you're watching this and you're like, I'm not sure, I don't know if I do that, I'm gonna ask you right now to check your urgency, Mm -hmm. right? If a friend has an issue, Check your urgency. We can be concerned. That's one feeling. Mm -hmm. An urgency is like, I must take action. I must. And that tells you that that's a codependent response where you're feeling overly responsible Mm -hmm. for, I mean, my definition of codependency is feeling and behaving overly responsible for the feelings, the um, circumstances, the decisions, Mm -hmm. the outcomes Mm-hmm. of the people in our lives to the detriment of your internal peace in some way of your physical or financial well-being in some way mm-hmm. so everyone watching this of course we're all invested mm-hmm. in the people we love like this is that's just being loving that's normal mm-hmm. but when their problem literally feels like it is your problem that's when you know that boundaries are being crossed. Mm-hmm. And I thought I had to, I was such a codependent in my twenties. Oh my God, like a nightmare. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was, I was mother Teresa. Like I was like, I just thought I'm here for everyone. I'll do it for anybody. Yes. There is something satisfying in that. I feel right. Oh. It's like, well, look at me. I just, I come in and save the day and people need me and it can just make us feel like kind of important and special yeah. and uh, generous Yep. Until it doesn't. <laughs> right. Because in, mm-hmm. until you realize, mm-hmm. and this happened for me in therapy in my twenties, that when you're doing that, if you are an auto advice giver, mm-hmm. you are centering yourself in the problem mm-hmm. of the other person, literally centering yourself. You are now saying, I have the answer. As opposed to when you have healthy boundaries, you can say, well, what do you think you should do? Mm-hmm. It's always my first question, no matter who comes to me. 
What does your gut say? What are you thinking? Even if it's not well thought out, just, just let's just spitball. Just tell me. Writing that down, Terry. <laughs> what do you think? My friends, everyone listening, pay attention to this. If you're a problem solver, you ask it back. Sorry, Terry, continue. Yes. What do you think? Mm-hmm. And and there's there's a I have a whole list in the in the book. There's a whole chapter that's just um, mm-hmm. sentence starters and scripts that you can <gasps> oh. Oh my gosh, the scripts are to die for, Terry. I mean, I, I want to get into those in a moment yes. because I mean, <laughs> I've got some highlighted things here. You even you even give a script for chatty, you know, um, hairdressers, except <laughs> like how to handle if you just want a bit of peace. I mean, I I'm I'll just keep talking to be nice, but I'm I'm telling you these these scripts are so fantastic, and I want to sh- highlight a couple of my favorites in just a moment. Before we do, one thing I'd love to um, ask you about is female friendships, Terry, because I feel like, so I, you know, I'm lucky enough to work with a lot of high achieving women and they, you know, need to have firm boundaries to manage family, have a break, et cetera. And I noticed that there are just friendships that change, right? And sometimes there's a, an abandoning of a friendship or a loose, you know, loosening of a friendship. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's such fear around this. There is, you know, I can't, I have to speak to, you know, Lizzie because we've been friends for, you know, 10 years and Mm -hmm. well, I knew her, I know her kids. And, and then I feel like um, there's like a disloyalty if, if you can't be there in the same way today that you were like a year ago, two years ago. What's your experience with this? How do you handle this? So funny, I just did um, a vlog on this called Boundaries and Friendships. It's complicated. Um, yes. because it's so com- and actually I also have a mini course on this because so many mm. women have asked me about this over the many years. And there always seems to be this extreme where they, they, people wait until they're to the point where they just don't want to be friends anymore with the person. Right. So I'm always about having a conversation. Like, so there's different categories. So the friend yes. that you had since, since like third grade, that's yes. like, I call that historical handcuffs. Right. Oh yes, 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 yes. I think we all have one of those. <laughs> we do. Uh huh. Where, where you've outgrown the person potentially, mm-hmm. and I still have some of those friendships. But as long as they're not burdening my life, yeah. we get together, we reminisce. I don't need to be the same as them now. But if they're demanding something of me that I'm not, or if they've changed so much that we're morally and ethically so unaligned, I can't be friends with them anymore. Mm -hmm. That's when I have to, you know, you have to have the conversation, step Mm -hmm. back. So boundaries with friendships Mm -hmm. is something that you can absolutely master, but we start small Mm -hmm. and really start looking at, do a whole, I will inspire you and I give you stuff in the book to do it. You do an inventory of like, what are the state what is the state of the relationships in your life? Friendships, which ones cause you angst? Which ones when the phone rings, you're like, oh, Jesus, no. Like, I just can't, I do not want to. Or or you're like, oh, hey, just getting in the tub. Like, just you're finding a way to avoid the person, feeling like shit about it, mm. and not knowing how to allow yourself to change. I actually opened the book with sharing the story of the fact that I was a bridesmaid eight times. Yes. <laughs> in my twenties. <laughs> to people you didn't even necessarily like their partner. <laughs> nope, I didn't. Not with that one guy who hit on me at the uh, engagement party, <laughs> but it was like, I couldn't say no. I, I had yeah. to please. And it was what happens is sometimes in friendships, you grow at different paces. 
mm-hmm. someone, those weddings that I was a bridesmaid in, mm-hmm. those women thought that we were way closer mm. than I thought. I was shocked. I was like, how could I be one of the top four people in your life when you wouldn't even have made it to like a housewarming party if I had a house? Yes, yes. I don't get it. Mm-hmm. But I, instead of just handling it, I didn't know how. So now I know how, and I know how to teach you how. Mm-hmm. Which it's so much better to have an uncomfortable conversation mm. than it is to be locked in. I mean, I, I know I've had clients who got married when they knew they shouldn't. Mm. You know, a week before, I'm like, you can still cancel. They're like, absolutely not. It, my parents will die. I'm like, you're going to get a divorce within six months. Like, mm. you know it. The, the whole shame, the embarrassment, the fear of being perceived as mean. Mm-hmm. We have to work through all of this um, conditioning. Mm. We do that in the beginning so that we we have compassion for ourselves. We understand like this is hard and maybe I'm going to do this really badly, but I'm still going to do it. So all the perfectionists never try because mm-hmm. they're like, um, I can't tell you how many questions I get where people go, well, I need to draw boundaries. How can I draw boundaries with nobody getting upset? I'm like, I, I, <laughs> well, I knew that. I wrong know. room, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, you can't. Mm. There's a way to do it with grace and with kindness and when appropriate with love and when appropriate with more heat, depending on what the boundary is and what's needed. Mm. But we have to shift our view. It's okay to have some conflict in your friendships. It's okay to tell the truth. Like, hey, we're at different places in our life. And I feel like you want more for me than I can give you, or we don't have anything in common anymore. And I love you and I don't want to break up with you, but I don't feel compelled. Like sometimes we just have to tell the truth and it's hard, but it's the same way in relationships. Listen, we can't marry everyone. I mean, you can marry a lot of people, but but you can't be long-term with every relationship. Right. And so when I was younger, breaking up with, I mean, I loved all my long-term, like I still love them all, you know, like I loved them. And it was so painful and it was such a boundary disaster that I would wait. And I remember being in the bathroom, I was in the bathtub and my boyfriend was there and I was like, literally being like, where's your breakup? And we were together years, I was living with him. He was like, what do you mean? Why? And I was like, we don't have anything in common anymore. And he was like, since when? And I literally wanted to say, I don't know, about three years ago, like, (laughs) wow. Like I moved out at two in the morning in my pajamas, holding my pillow and had to borrow 20 bucks from him to take a cab to my sister's. Like, wow. Not my finest hour. I would say that that's like the height of boundary disasterness. Yeah. Right there. It, It also goes to show how people have a very different movie. Right. So like your boyfriend at the time is like probably thinking you're on track for life and you're like, there is nothing happening here. And I think that even accepting that is can be a bit hard. Right. You think, well, surely she or he feels the same or they see this, too. And they don't No. And I think that's also helpful to know when it comes to boundaries, because what's perfectly reasonable for someone else, you know, like someone who's always very helpful, like um, I even just think about my mother-in-law, who's fantastic. She's always helping people move. She's very efficient. She she can do 30, like 40 things in a day and be just still standing. 
I like to sit down, <laughs> you know, I feel like naturally a lot more lazy. Like I love to be busy at work, but nothing yeah. really outside <laughs> that that isn't fun. And I feel as if, you know, if her and I even have a conversation around, you know, what to do when we get together, she wants to do a lot of things. I think assuming that that's what I would like to do. Yeah. Um, and I would love to just sit and talk for hours. Yep. Sit Same. down. <laughs> but it, so, but and- it's called, that's actually a psychological defense mechanism called um, complementary projection, oh. where we believe, like we, we have a sense, it can be two different ways, either that other people feel like we do, like mm-hmm. have the same likes, opinions, wants, desires, mm-hmm. or we can do this with skill. Mm-hmm. We can minimize our own skill and we can project like, but everyone can do this thing that I can do. And it's, yeah. Not true. I mean, which is different than the neurotic projection, which is a psychological defense mechanism where you have a feeling you don't like, like the new person at work, you're like, I don't like her, but you don't like that about yourself. So instead of acknowledging that shadow part, you go, I don't think Betty likes me. I don't know. That new girl, she's like a bitch. Like she's like, nice. <laughs> having no idea that right. is your disavowed feeling that you're experiencing. You feel it coming towards you instead of the truth, which is that it's coming from you. Mm, well, that takes some courage to accept that too, doesn't it? Because most people are like, she's wrong, he's mean, yep. he's, you know, versus like, oh, maybe I'm feeling all these negative charges because there's something that needs to heal a little here. Yep. Or there's something that I've never really quite, you know, discovered or like dove into, don't really want to. Because, you know, when you think about it, doing the work on boundaries, doing the the work on the self, it's not, I mean, there are easier things to do, right? Like there are, you can eat ice cream, right? You can go for a walk with your dog. I mean, but but this is so rewarding. Like once, I feel like, like you said, once you know a few things, you can't go back. It's like, once you know the truth, if if there are lies and then you know the truth, you're like, the the lies don't trick you anymore, right? So once you, I think you understand and you let it sink in that the importance of boundaries, the fact that you're entitled to them, and then specifically like how you break them down here. You already mentioned the different types of boundaries, um, why specifically they, they're relevant based on who we are as humans. I certainly identify as a pleaser because, mm, oh. you know, because I like to be very well liked, popular. Um, I, and I love people. And I think Same. sometimes maybe this happens with you, Terry, like you said, with the eight bridesmaids, I, I'm very friendly. And so people assume we're very close. And then I have to end up saying no a lot because just of that, you know, because of that assumption. There are a couple of, I want to get to the page because there are just so many, there's so many things I've highlighted here, but there are a couple of, uh, there's a couple of lists here about your boundary that you've put into the boundary baseline page. Mm-hmm. To uh, illuminate your boundary baseline, read the questions, see which apply to you. I mean, these are so good. So I can imagine speaking up um, creates feelings of anxiety or dread for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you're paying for a service, do you avoid telling people if you're unsatisfied? Absolutely. Um, Do you tend to ignore your preferences or needs for too long and then explode in frustration? I've seen that. That one isn't me, though. Mm -hmm. Um, But this one. Do you have a very specific idea of the way most things should be done and feel frustrated often by the fact that others are clueless? <laughs> is that a, a lack of communication in a, with a boundary? Like, is it setting expectations? It, it's actually having a rigid internal boundary. It's the way that you, we make ourselves huh. feel safe. We are binding anxiety by being like, hello, obviously this is the right way to, this is the only way to do it. And so that's more an expression of rigid boundaries. Someone who's a know-it-all, someone who's very bossy, 
Mm. And even if you have great ideas, right? Uh It's like, what does it save you from? Which is what we always want to know. Like, what, what does it spare you from being vulnerable, right? If you're, if we're always forward motion and being like, this is it, my way or the highway, that's very much the um, ice queen in the, that we're Mm. looking at the archetypes, right? Where you're like, I'll do it on my own. Like, I don't need you people. Like either you're in, you're for me, you're against me, get out. If you're, if you're not with what I'm doing, you're out. But there's uh, the rigidity of that Mm. is what makes it a disordered boundary experience. Mm. And you say on page 23, I love this. I've never thought about it this way. A true talk from Terry. In changing your boundary behavior, I can see how this works with the rigidity. You learn to recognize that you have a fuller range of choices at your disposal than you've realized or exercised until now. Options. (laughs) Options that we just completely overlook or just don't even dare to, that is not visible to us because we're like, this is it. But right. again, when you realize that being high functioning, because I'm sure you're a high functioning codependent, I'm a high functioning codependent <laughs> in recovery, but whatever, where it's different than just being codependent, right? Wow. Because with high functioning codependents, we're highly capable. Mm-hmm. So nobody would see us as being codependent because there seems to be some kind of a weakness associated mm-hmm. with that. Yeah. And it's all incorrect, but that's mm-hmm. what it is. So people will always come and ask for advice and need help and whatever, but there's a cost Mm. to doing that. And there's a cost to centering ourselves Mm. in other people's problems and lives because we don't get to deeply and intimately know others when we're so busy with putting on the cape Mm. and sort of saving others. There's also a presumption that we know what other people should be doing when the truth, and I learned this the hard way in my twenties from a therapist who was like, hi, what makes you think, you know, what your sister needs to learn in this life? I was like, well, I don't think she needs to do it in this abusive relationship, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I was like, can we agree on that? At least she was like, absolutely not. I have no idea what her life lessons are. Neither do you can I tell you what's going on? And I was like, okay. And she's like, you have worked for two decades to create a pretty harmonious life. Mm-hmm. You're happily married. You're successful. You're whatever. Your sister's dumpster fire of a life is really messing with your peace. You want to fix her. So your pain ends. Wow. Terry. It's like, no, no, I just want to help. Oh, oh, this is really uncomfortable for me every time I see you suffer, right? Like we're back on my side of the street right here, yep. <laughs> right? Well, so it always, it always comes back to us, doesn't it? I mean, it, is there, are there any situations that you've seen where you're like, this is a truly loving, aggressive behavior? <laughs> <laughs> or are you like, well, in this case, you know, maybe there's an exception because I'm guessing not. The more and more, I mean, even with an abusive relationship with a relative or a friend that you love, it's not your life, right? And we're not general managers of the universe. Someone said that once. I thought it was so funny. We'll love to believe it though. I know. Right? That, well, like, we love to. Well, I have, I have information. I can help. I can. Yeah. Um, but, but listen, let, let's, let's be honest though. In that, mm-hmm. listen, if you have, I have three sisters. I have the same friends I've had since Nixon was in office. Like mm-hmm. if there is a conversation, if I'm concerned, If something is happening, even if it's going to suck, even if it's going to be uncomfortable, even if they're going to tell me to fuck off, right? Which Mm -hmm. 
is a possibility. I will say, listen, I have something I want to share with you about what you told me. And is it okay if I just talk true? I just want to tell you what I think, what my concern is. Most of the time they're going to say yes. And even if they go, mind your own business, I don't like it, you're wrong. It doesn't mean that in, in when I'm committed to you for life, it doesn't mean I'm never giving you my opinion. It means I'm not automatically thinking that your life is mine to fix. It means that I respect you. One of my, my friends who's since passed away, he was one of the um, founders of the Grief Recovery Institute. His name is Russell Friedman. And he once said to me, you know, Terry, giving other people unasked for advice and criticism robs them of their dignity. Do not want to do that. Like, let that land, like think. I can think of a situation where I was a bit of a busybody and it, it felt similar. I was telling a friend she shouldn't spend her money on something. Mm -hmm. Like I, I was certain, I still feel actually like, I. I you know, but it's not, I'm taking away her dignity of how she, how a woman in a free world can spend her money. It's, yep. she can go to Vegas for all, you know, she can yep. go to, she can burn it in her fireplace yeah. if she wants to. Exactly. <laughs> You're right. But it, but that, that is it. We have to give people the, and we expect the dignity, right? We, yeah, oh yeah. How do you like it when people are telling you what to do? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> your, your, your partner, your husband, your, your partner. It's, it's so funny, isn't it? It's like, we love to change others. And it's like, try changing yourself. How easy is that? Right. Or like, it, it just, you know, um, being in your own business, it just, it just keeps coming back to like, where am I right now? Am I creeping up? Like who's street? Like I'm lost. I'm five blocks away. Like where yes. the hell? It, 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 it happens. But I think that you know, the, the consciousness, how you, how you teach in boundary boss, it's, you know, coming back to you, lovingly coming back to you, mm -hmm. always realizing what your responsibility is, yep. you know, how we open, knowing what your responsibility is. It is, um, it's, yeah, it takes courage. And, but the rewards are all there because your reward is your mm -hmm. own freedom. And that's the basis of a, because even if we want great wealth or a great relationship or whatever, we think we just want the freedom and the joy that that brings. So this is what boundaries do. Yes, you know, and, you know. and having clean agreements. Speaking mm -hmm. of being business owners, right? If you're an mm -hmm. entrepreneur and you're watching this, if you're mm -hmm. having, being proactive mm -hmm. in your onboarding process, mm -hmm. letting everyone know up front, don't decide later. We decide now. Anyone who comes to work for me, we work on New York time. We mostly don't work on the weekends unless we're in launch. We mm -hmm. do. You must be available. I don't care where you live. I stopped hiring people from like other places when they said they'd work on New York time because they don't really actually do it. Right. It's like the more clear mm -hmm. and concise you can be upfront mm. in all of your circumstances, but especially business with clients. Yes. Scope of the project clarity. If that client is pushing you and being like, well, and now we want to do this thing and it's not in the scope, you have to say, okay, hey, Betty, that actually sounds great. So to do that, we would need to add something because it's not within the scope of our current agreement. If you look at paragraph 6B. So, but I'm, if you want to consider that after the fact and have it as, as an add-on, I can come up with a, a fee. Mm, see, and, and it's, it's no accident that the most important information is in black and white in contracts, Absolutely. right? So you're, so this is the same in real life without the contract, but it's just, this is, 
this is uh, kind of almost like where you stand with me. It, and it's, it feels generous, really. It is. Right. It Initially, is. you're like, oh, that feels harsh. But you're like, it's actually very generous because everyone feels safe. The boundaries are clear. You know where you stand with me. I'm not upset with you. I've told you this is my style. Yep. <laughs> or you know, say, you know, say that's an example. And isn't, isn't that the goal too? It is because look at it this way. When we say yes, when we want to say no, or when we overpromise, mm -hmm. and even if we overdeliver, none of those things are being nice because you end up resentful. Your friends know if you're a people pleaser and if you say yes, when you want to say no, I know of my friends who, who that is. Mm -hmm. I know. I'm like, eh, she's about 50% chance she's going to show up. You know, her show is as yes, but no. Mm. So your yes cannot be trusted, which also means you're no, like you literally are not trustworthy mm. if you are a people pleaser, because you are giving people bad information about you. And we know it, or you're going to do it and you're going to do it begrudgingly, or you're going to cancel at the last minute and somehow end up with a migraine because you committed to some shit you didn't want to do. And who the fuck has time for this? Yes. Like, yes. You know, you it. One thing that I, that, note, that I noticed this year, Terry, was I drastically reduced my alcohol consumption, like <laughs> drastically. And I'm so thrilled about it. And it's been so fun and easy, interestingly. But I had this fear. I'm like, I think I'm going to let people down who are used to drinking with me. Mm -hmm. And my fear was, oh, I'm going to let them down. I'm going to let them down. Like they're used to me being, you know, just do, you know, being like them. And then I realized if I see a friend right now and there's no alcohol and that's most of the time, I really like them. Right. And they, they know that I've actually said it. I'm like, if I'm hanging out with you right now and yeah. we're not, you know, at the bar or whatever, um, I really, I really enjoy your company sincerely. Right. And I felt like that was a, a boundary to that I had to make with myself to make it okay, to make a different kind of version of me available confidently. Absolutely. But that felt, that felt like an honest boundary. Like it a, is. It, Cause I could be like, Oh, I'll just take it and not drink it or pretend. And I'm like, no, I'll just do what feels right. Like with, because you speak about betraying yourself mm -hmm. in Boundary Boss and I mean, we all know that feeling. It's awful and it's not sustainable unless you want to be miserable. And so having these kind of like the truth, like the, as you say, like when it's clear, like, you know, in, in this appendix with a client, it's just, it, it's clear. This is who you are. It's, it, it's open, generous, honest, loving. Yep. There's no, no one is wondering, you know, it's funny with my, with my friendships, mm -hmm. one, one of my friends one time had said to me, she was here and we were going to the gym and on the way back from the gym. And she's like, I wonder if you're, you're upset that I took so long to get, you know, to get ready to get in the car, whatever. And I was like, Lynn, we've been friends for like 20 years. You will never have to wonder mm -hmm. if I have something to say to you, you can always trust. I will say it. Of course, I'm not upset. You're on vacation. I'm relaxed. I'm sitting in the car. It's, everything is fine. But again, that's her story, mm -hmm. right? About whatever her thing is and how she was used to a life where people would be mad and withhold and not say. And imagine being that trustworthy where people just go, oh, she's a straight shooter. Mm. She says it. That's a fact. I can tell you, if I tell you, I'm going to be on this call at 345 rest assured, I'm going to be here. But I wasn't always that way. Mm. And there was a lot of shame in my younger life. And so many women who are reading this book now and in my courses, where you feel so bad because you overpromise to too many people. Mm. And then you can't follow through or don't follow through the way that you want to. 
So again, back to your story quick with the drinking, Mm -hmm. when you embrace that Mm -hmm. as a self-love, like that's a radical act of self-love to say, you know, I'm going to slow this down. I don't think this is great for me. I don't want to do it. Doesn't mean you have to stop drinking. Just means you're like, enough. I'm going to do it less. I'm going to see how I feel. Eyes wide open with these friendships, seeing people on the beach instead of, you know, for like a brunch, you know, boozy brunch or whatever it would be. Mm -hmm. Feeling so good about that, that when you share it with friends, if they're like, oh, whatever, you can say, oh my God, you wouldn't believe this. I'm like semi sober and I'm frigging loving it. It's like, don't I look great? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like I I yeah. wake I don't wake up hungover. It's amazing. I'm oh, not saying yeah. you should try it, but I'm having a mocktail tonight. That's that's all mm-hmm. I'm saying is I'm all into the virgin bloody. Like, <laughs> you know, it yes. can be so light. And uh, you can't imagine, Suze, you might by sharing that light, that truth, you don't know how many people might go, really? You know, I've kind of been thinking about drinking less, but I kind of, I always feel like pressured, but you know, you just really inspired me. Like I'm going to, you know, it's happening. Yeah. You're right. Look at you, Tara, really understanding how we go. And I have to speak about how, okay. It's, uh, we could talk forever. I have to touch on these scripts, Terry, because they're just, they're just bloody brilliant. Okay. I mean, I wrote down the specific page here because there were some favorites that I have, but the ones that I love are around feedback. Yes. And standing up for your preferences. Can I read out a couple of my favorites? Please do. <laughs> okay. Standing up for your preferences. This is page 208. That plan really doesn't work for me. Here's what I'd love instead. Desired plan. Do you have thoughts on how we can meet in the middle? If someone said that to me, I'd be like, that is very clear and very actionable. And she knows who she is and I like her. Yep. Like, and she's not making me wrong. No. She's not judging my plan. She's saying it doesn't work for her. Am I willing to compromise? Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, because yeah. some people would be like, oh, no one goes there anymore. That place isn't cool anymore. It's yes. like, oh, well, I think it's cool. <laughs> you yeah. know? So exactly. I, I, I love this, standing up for your preferences also. Oh my gosh, Terry, this is such a good one. Um, to a colleague who asks you what to do with your day, what you do with your um, day off. That's why they call that personal day, Bob. Wouldn't you like to know? Wink. <laughs> My, I, this is so elegant. The elegant is the word that comes to me when I think about these responses because they're controlled and um, firm, but not like that's not your business, right? Mm-hmm. Or um, right. no one's that restaurant isn't cool anymore. Yes, <laughs> it, we don't have to be harsh. We don't. So, and the most important thing with the scripts, one of the most important things, mm-hmm. is when someone is asking you for information mm-hmm. about yourself that you are not comfortable sharing with them. Mm. We've been so trained to be good girls. People mm. ask a question, we just go, oh, we answer it. And then later we're like, why the, did I tell Bob from accounting about my uh, whatever <laughs> the thing is, right? Yes. So there's so many in, in the book, there's a lot of different ones, but I love this work by Kasha Urbaniak, which I included in the book. Mm-hmm. So she's a power dynamic expert. Mm. And if someone says like, oh, how did your loved one die? right? Like rude. I mean, I've had this in my life. It's terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, Instead of making, re-traumatizing you, you, your goal is to not give up any info. And what Kasha says to do, this is flipping the the power dynamic is to say something like, why would you want to know that? Mm -hmm. 
Or why would you ask me that? I've never used that where the other person did not immediately back down and go, oh my God, you're so right. That was so rude. Like I was just curious. And that's just, I was like, okay, next, moving on. Like, I don't need to shame them anymore, Mm. but I'm definitely not telling you how my niece died when I'm still devastated Mm-hmm. By the death, your morbid curiosity is not my mother effing problem. <laughs> Have a Google yeah. it, bitch. You could find it somewhere if you actually really wanted to. Like, lazy and morbidly curious, please. Mm-hmm. Why don't you eat wheat? Why don't you have kids? Why don't you want kids? Oh, yeah. I get asked that a lot, actually. And right. yeah. And I always find it really interesting. I actually never ask women if they have kids because you don't know what's going on. I don't even ask them if they have kids. Right. I, I'm like, I'm sure it will come up if they have kids. They'll talk about them. Agreed. Yeah. It's, it's, and if someone responded to that, to a question that I asked that was rude with that, I would feel like, yeah, that was also a gift for that, like, a, like a mini, a mini loving lesson. Yes. So it's, it's also you with your boundaries, with your questions, with lovingly deflecting what you don't want to delve into because you don't need to. Um, you're also kind of showing another way to behave. You are, and it's a generous part of it is yes. when you, when we stop being so offended, mm-hmm. right. Then, then there's bandwidth mm-hmm. to just be kind and not abandon ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when you walk out of that conversation with aunt Betty and trying to triangulate you with, Oh, your mother's worried about you. Mm-hmm. I got aunt Betty. I'm mm-hmm. good. I'll take it from here, but I, I, I totally appreciate your concern. Oh, what was going on with your needlepoint? Like, you can always deflect. You can always acknowledge and move on. You also, another side note of tactics, especially if it's people that you see like once or twice a year, people do not care. They want to talk about themselves. Just like being in any interview, like actual, this is like an actual conversation. But like <laughs> when you're in an interview and you have four minutes, mm. I don't care what that person asked me. Like generally speaking, I'm going to answer the question I want to answer. Mm-hmm. This is sort of the same thing. So if someone's like, um, you know, where, 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 where's the girl that you brought here last year? Let's just say, or where's the guy that you brought here last year? Oh, did that fall apart too? Whatever. Let's say you can be like completely ignore. I've done it. Totally ignore and be like, Oh my God, uncle Bob, I meant to tell you that I saw so-and-so the other, and then be like, I have to pee going to the bathroom. I'm going to get a drink. There's my mom. I'm leaving. Like you do not have to stay in that conversation. And just because someone asks you a question, you could literally 100% ignore it. I'm telling you, people don't care. Then you're like, wait, tell me about you. They're like, oh yeah, back to me. Good. Okay. <laughs> this is so commercial. You don't even have to answer the question. Like, oh, act like it didn't even happen. Wow. Oh, like I can't hear you. <laughs> it's like, it's like a selective deafness, which I absolutely love. My mom who refuses to wear hearing aids, she's like, being deaf is the best. <laughs> no one expects anything. I just say what I want, do what I want. That's her own boundary right there. Look at that. Yep. I'd love to say a couple more before we wrap. Sure, sure. Okay, a couple more. Um. Oh my gosh. Cause these are so good. Oh, uh, so someone, okay, all you need to do is opt out of being the third wheel in a toxic communication triangle. This is around gossiping, specifically or referencing, which mm-hmm. I love to avoid, but I, I don't want to make anyone feel bad for whatever they're doing, but I, I'd like to just 
gracefully, you know. Yep. I would so, your, uh, your statement here is, I would so much rather hear about your new job. Huh, delicious redirect and true. Yes. You're not abandoning yourself there, right? That's exactly. That's the truth. You, you even stay present. Um, oh, and this is another excellent one to stop the auto advice giver. Mm. Uh, at the moment, I'm not looking for feedback. I'd love it if you could just lend a compassionate ear. Someone said that to me once a long time ago and she made some changes in her business and asked me to have a look at them. She was like, I'm not looking for feedback. I would just love you to have a look to be like, uh, so you know, you know everything that I'm doing, which is cool. And I just thought it was, that was a boss move of us to put it that way. Cause I could be like, oh, you know what I would do? I would do it. Yep. She didn't want that. She were, it was finished. And she set you up to be successful and to be a good friend instead of setting you up to fail by thinking what she wanted and not telling you. How can people know? We have this expectation that they can read our minds and they can't. So when we take full responsibility to yeah. the best of our ability to negotiate for our needs, we are, it is so loving because you are really setting people up to be able to step up for you. You don't know if they can or not, if you don't give them a chance. Mm. And imagine if I went and spent 45 minutes with a feedback and wrote it all. <laughs> she doesn't want it. I could be doing other things and we can just lovingly, I can have a look and that's that. Exactly. <laughs> so Terry, what I take from this, I mean, there's so, like that, the, the covers come off. Like this is how much I like this book. Look, <laughs> Boundary Boss, Terry Cole, available everywhere books are sold. Yes. <laughs> everywhere books are sold. And um, Terry, there's a special link we can drive people today to. There is. We have so many things for you. And My I think friends, we want these goodies. Yes. You do. Mm -hmm. So I think that the thing that would that is most helpful is understanding codependency. So yes. it's going to be boundaries and codependency. I created a video for you and a downloadable guide so you can really get an assessment mm -hmm. as to where are you right now? Like how, how bad is it or how good is it, let's say. Okay. So you're going to go to boundaryboss.me forward slash Susie, which is S-U-S-I-E, as you know. Mm -hmm. um, and I will make sure that the um, quiz is also on that page. And you can go to boundarybossbook.com. Mm -hmm. And that has, you know, you buy the book and then you put in your little number. And I have all kinds of bonuses that, of course, I'm supposed to not be giving anymore. But I'm like, forget it. I made them. I want everyone to have them. So yes. <laughs> and if you bought a book and you haven't collected your bonuses, go to boundarybossbook.com, put in your little number. And you will have access to a whole bunch of beautiful things that I created for you. So just like what you're giving to us, boundaryboss.me forward slash Susie, all of these goodies that you give us access to, generous, just like boundaries. Boundaries are generous. Yeah. <laughs> this conversation was so generous. Your, your fun gift to us is so generous. So Terry, thank you. I could keep you forever. I'd, our time's up, but thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I will stay in touch. And you've, you've, you absolutely impacted me and I appreciate, I, I appreciate you, Terry. Oh, thanks, Suze. I appreciate you too. Thank you, Terry. Bye-bye for now. Bye. Hey friend, I've got something really cool for you. I want to give you free access to my signature course called Slay Your Year, which typically sells for $997. You can check it out, all the details at slayyouryear.com. All you have to do to get access is leave me a review, leave a review of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, take a snapshot of it and send it to info at susie-more.com. That's info at susie-more.com and we'll get you set up with access.